Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, River Rock. Real excited to give you the Word of God today. I'm Pastor Marvin. Just want to make sure you're aware of how you can stay connected with the church. You can go and find us on the webpage, rrf.church, or you can find us on Facebook, get our emails, or give us a call. We want to stay connected with you. We're excited about doing a 21-day prayer campaign. And if you're not getting those emails, get a hold of us, and we'll make sure you start getting those right away. Well, let's open up with prayer as we begin the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Without you, Lord, we are nothing. With you, Lord, we can face anything, even a pandemic. Lord, open up our hearts that we could hear the Word of God, and may it have an impact on us and change us because of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your will, your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God is a God of grace and mercy. I personally am so glad to know that that is true. I know the things that I've thought and the things that I've done, and if it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, where would I be? I bet many of you could say the exact same thing. But it's in a time like this, in a pandemic, and this virus, this COVID-19, that people and it's common, begin to wonder about the things of God. They begin to ask questions like, is this the punishment of God on the globe? Well, when I look at cities in the Old Testament, like the city of Sodom or the city of Gomorrah, I'm reminded how when God brought His wrath, it was quick, it was decisive, it was completely devastating. But it wasn't without forewarning to them. It's true, the wrath of God's in the Bible and and that the wrath of God is still here today. But, now here's the good news. But what we also find throughout Scripture is that God offers us a way of escape. He offers us an opportunity to turn from our wicked ways and to repent. Because God is a God of love. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. Now grace, well, let me explain grace a little bit. Grace is that thing that we get that's good that we've done nothing to earn or to deserve. Now mercy, well, it's a little bit different. It's I do not get what I really do deserve and I really have earned because of what I've done or what I've been, grace and mercy. Sometimes Christians, if we're being honest, we can behave as though if we have no mercy and we want God to have no mercy on this person or on this group of people. And i got to be reminded how I started this sermon off. I am so glad for God's grace and mercy in my life. You see, God's grace and mercy is for whosoever, no matter how big the mistake or the sin. It's not easy 
We all can be offended and hurt. And yet God still wants us to offer grace and mercy. Maybe the crisis that we're all facing all over the globe isn't about the wrath of God at all. <laughs> Maybe what's really going on here, it's about the mercy of God. Maybe God the Father is reaching out to a world in a time of crisis with His love, His grace, His mercy, because we are facing a time of complete chaos and pain and suffering and fear and anxiety and confusion. And God the Father is saying, here I am. I'm reaching out. I love you. Maybe it's time for a great awakening of who God really is. Clearly, people are more open to the things of God during a time of crisis than any other time. Have you ever wondered why? Well, let me try to address that thought through a story of my own. Well, when I was a, a young teenager, my sister and I, well, we had a little spit spat. And uh, I'm pretty convinced that I was right and she's wrong. It's my story, so that's, I'm sticking with it. She would say different, I'm sure. But in that little scuffle, whatever we were arguing about, um, I somehow knocked over my mom's little ceramic chicken. And it opened up, and inside she had all of the toothpicks. Well, I didn't know what to do. I kind of panicked, and I ran for the glue, and I meticulously put it all back together, even the tiny, tiny little pieces. And I, You know, as soon as I put all the toothpicks back inside, you couldn't see the cracks at the bottom. Well, as time passed, so did the, so did the toothpicks, until finally my mom could see the cracks at the bottom of her little ceramic chicken. The gig was up. I was definitely going to be exposed. And all of a sudden, I was in my bedroom, and my mom in the kitchen yelled my name. My bad! You know, there's just a way that moms yell your name, that you know something's not right. So I have to run to the kitchen. I go, what, Mom? And there she is with that look, that mama look, and she's holding the chicken in her hand and staring at me. You want to know what the first question I had in my mind? The first question I had was, was she mad at me? Was she angry at me? You want to know why? Because obviously, instinctively, I knew I had done wrong. I knew I should have told her the truth. I knew I should explain what was going on, how my sister and I had been fighting. I should have confessed. But I didn't. You know, folks, why are people asking the question, is God punishing us today? Because instinctively, like Marvin and the ceramic chicken, they have ceramic chickens in their life. That they know they've broken something, they've done wrong, they've done something that is not right. They have sin in their life. And so they're asking the question, just like I asked myself, is my mom mad at me? So people are asking, is God mad at me? 
And I'm here to let you know the good news. My mama forgave me. Praise God. And you know what? I still have a place there at the table, and I get to have the tacos and the beans and all the fun times together because my mom forgave me. And I have news for you. I don't care how big your ceramic chicken is. I don't care how big it is, that thing that you broke, that thing you've done wrong. God says, I will forgive you. Just humble yourself. Confess. And you know what? There's a place at the table, at the banqueting table of God, a place for you, a place for me. The question is, do you know the Lord? Do you know him as your father? Do you seek him? Now, I want to share something with you, and I really, maybe there's something you want to scribble down. You want to take a note on this. Knowing the depth of God's mercy begins with repentance. If you want to know the mercy of God, if you really want to know how much He truly loves you, it really does begin with me saying, I repent. I'm wrong. I'm sorry, God. I have sin in my life. Will you forgive me? Maybe you're familiar with a real famous Sunday school story. The Sunday story of Jonah and the whale. So much of that story is talked about, about a big fish, a big whale, swallowing up the prophet of God called Jonah. But that's not the big miracle. The big miracle is how a reluctant prophet showed up to a place called Nineveh and literally the whole capital city gave their heart and repented to God. Nineveh was the capital city of the great empire of the Assyrians. The estimated population is about 600 to 750,000 people lived there. The, the miracle is that the entire city converted to Judaism. This is amazing. And the king ordered that there would be a national period of prayer and fasting. But Judah, excuse me, Jonah, he hated the capital city of Nineveh. He hated all of the Assyrians. And he had a real good reason to. You see, the Assyrians had done all sorts of atrocities. They were brutal in their torture to Israel and had been this way for years. Now God wants to show his great mercy to the enemy of Israel? He wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted to be an incredible patriot and be faithful to his family, his friends, and to his nation. Do you know your patriotism can actually become an idol? If it combats and, and, and literally fights against the will of God. God wanted him to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go to the Assyrians' capital. He literally got in a boat. 
This is all in Jonah chapter 1 through 4. And literally went 180 degrees in the opposite direction from where God wanted him to be. He turned away from God. God wanted him to turn in the way of God and go to a place called Nineveh. So he got on the Autobahn of the day, which is got on a boat. And he was traveling as fast and as far away from God as he could. A storm kicked up. And during that storm, the storm was so raging, they thought the boat was going to just pull apart and be shattered. Well, the captain goes down into the hole. There he finds Jonah and says, what are you doing? We've all prayed to our gods that, that, that we as pagans that will be saved. Pray to your God. Maybe he'll save us. And so then they decided to draw lots and find out who was the one that this storm was coming for. And as they drew lots and they said no and no and no, and they finally went to Jonah and they looked and they go, you're the one. What did you do? He says, well, I'm running from my God, the God of heaven and of earth, the living God. And they were panicking. Well, we, he says, what, they said, what do I do? He says, well, just throw me overboard. He's ready to be thrown overboard. He is so angry and resentful to God. That's amazing. Well, they didn't want to throw him overboard because they were fearful of what God would do to them for attacking God's prophet. So they started throwing over cargo and equipment and gear. And finally, they looked at him. He says, just throw me overboard. And they did. Instantly, within that moment, it all cleared up. The tempest, the storm is over. And all of a sudden, there they see Jonah going down deep into the sea. They see this well coming up. It swallows him up. They can't believe this story. So soon as they get to port, they're telling everybody about what happened out at sea and about this guy named Jonah. And then those people turn around just like social media today. And before you know it, the word of the prophet Jonah gets all the way to the city about what God was doing and why God was sending the prophet Jonah to them. Well, three days later, this great fish, this well, offers Jonah back up out at the beach. It's been proven that when that happens, the gastroacids inside of a well literally will change the color of the skin. He's bleach white now, folks. He is albino. He's hairless because the hair can't survive inside of those gastric acids inside of the well. So he makes his way. Can you imagine? He's hairless. He's albino. Some scholars believe that the color of his eyes have changed and they're probably red. And he shows up, but the word of God has already reached. And he brings a one-sentence sermon about how the destruction of God is coming upon them unless they repent. And you know what? The whole city repents. It's an amazing story. So, let's talk a little bit about the truth about God's mercy. Number one, humility positions God's mercy to come. I have to be humble. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5. The people of Nineveh believe God's message, and from the greatest, that's the king, to the least, 
they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. This was an incredible demonstration of humility to the great king, Jehovah. The fact that Jonah doesn't go to the king is really a, a break in, well, cultural protocol. He went to the people, and the people embraced the word of repentance. And because of that, by the time it got to the king, he begins to see it, and the king responds in favor with the people. Folks, God can do great things if we the people will repent, if we the people will humble ourselves. Maybe our own leaders will behave in kind. Humility means I'm willing to say, God, would you take off these wires of pride and rewire my heart to grace, mercy, and humility? Let's look at two. Two says repentance allows God's mercy to be experienced. Jonah chapter 3, 6 through 9. When the king of Nineveh heard that Jonah was saying he stepped down from his throne, and took off his royal robes. This is an act of humility. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Wow. Seven. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. He goes on. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. Even the animals. And everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Amazing. Let me remind us of 2 Chronicles 7.14, a very famous verse. It says, God says, a promise, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. Yes! And restore their land. And I might add, restore their land from a COVID-19 virus in Jesus' name. The king of Nineveh, he passed back down a, dec a declaration, a decree to humble and to pray and to repent. And God responded. Here's three. Because of God's grace, we can experience God's mercy. Jonah showing up was God's grace. Gave them something they didn't deserve. A prophet. It says, when God saw that they had, what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, because the prophet had told them, he changed his mind and did not carry out destruction. He had threatened God's mercy. When Nineveh repented a cities whose wickedness was so great god relented on his destruction 
This shows us that God can and will forgive anybody who believes and repents. Repentance allows us to experience the depth of God's grace and experience His mercy at work in our lives. I want you to understand an important point here, folks. Repentance didn't prompt God's grace. God's grace prompted Nineveh's repentance. Just as Jesus told the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, Go and sin no more. That was what God was requiring even of Nineveh and of us today. See, grace wins every time. The greatest act of mercy was on the cross over 2,000 years ago. You and I, we know the wrong, the secrets in our own hearts. And maybe during a time like this, in a pandemic, maybe God's reaching out and saying, like He did with Nineveh, would you repent? Would you turn? Would you humble yourself? I want us to watch this clip about an old-time preacher explaining the good news, the good news of the cross, and of God's grace and of God's mercy. Let's watch it together. Now every one of us here tonight knows that there's something wrong inside. We have a tendency within us that disturbs us. We long for victory over sin, sins of thought and word and deed. And the Bible reveals that we are born radically wrong. We are members of a human race that has turned its back upon God. There's something inside that makes it easier to go wrong than to go right. And some deep evil seems to sap the human race. There's a bias in the bowl that takes it off course. There's a gravity that pulls us down when we want to rise high in spiritual attainment. And the secret is that something within us has died. The spiritual part of our being that God gave us has died because of sin. This is the reason why we can neither see nor enter the kingdom of heaven unless there is a radical change. And here is a great revelation from Holy Scripture, and we also know it in our own experience, that we cannot make this radical change ourselves. That God says you must have, you must know, you must experience if you are ever to see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Why the cross? Because on the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ was made sin for you. He bore your sin, sir, in his body on the tree. He was the only man who ever went through hell on earth. And he did it for you, to cleanse you from the stain of sin, to deliver you from the power of sin, to clear you from the penalty of sin, so that there could be nothing between you and God. Christ Jesus bore your sin in his body on the tree. So, ladies and gentlemen, we come to this great conclusion tonight, that unless God is willing to do something about it, we are sunk, and there is no hope of us ever entering or seeing the kingdom of heaven. But here is the Christian gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the good news that God loves us. Because he loves us, he's willing, he's yearning to undertake this great change for us, only we are willing. And because Christ has died and risen again, 
I have wonderful news for you here tonight. Hundreds of you here yearn to know what it is to be in the kingdom of God. Hundreds of you want to know the victory that God gives to those that belong to Christ. If you will repent, believe and confess, God will do the rest. He will come into your cleansed being that he now possesses and he will live his life in you. He will give you eternal life, divine life. Right now you will enter the kingdom of heaven and you will live in the kingdom of heaven whilst you're on earth. And when death comes, it won't be death. You'll be with Christ and you'll go into the glories of eternal heaven. That is what God will do for you tonight if you will repent and believe and confess it. That's good news. That's not the voice of an angry God. That's the voice of mercy. If Jonah's comeback, if his resurrection from being swallowed by that great fish spurred on the capital city of Nineveh, of the Assyrians, to repent, how much more so will the resurrection of Jesus Christ change a world? Folks, maybe the whole global pandemic is about God's grace and mercy to reach you and to reach all of those you love. Maybe you need to repent and make things right with God and to do that today. God the Father is pointing people to the cross today to work our hearts back over to a God who says, I love you and I don't care how big the sin is. If that's you, you need that good news. I want you to pray with me. Let's pray together. I want you to say these words as I say them as well. Father God, I come with you with a humble heart. Lord, I've done wrong. I have been wrong. I have sinned. God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I believe you died on the cross for me and for my sins. Lord, be the leader of my life. Lord, be the Savior of my life. Make me a Christian. Write my name, the Lamb's Book of Life. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving me first with your grace and with your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.